Let's turn in our New Testament to 2 Corinthians 9, verses 10 through 12. We don't always preach on Thanksgiving the topic per se, but this year we're going to. I love this passage, 2 Corinthians 9, 11 through 12. But let's pray before we open God's Word. Lord, would you open our minds and our hearts to reality, to the reality of such an amazing grace, such a love, and such provision for us in every way. Lord, we are witnesses together of your answered prayers in our lives. And your great provision together. We are witnesses as your church together. So Lord, would you encourage those that are downcast. As we witness together. Your greatness. And our thanksgiving. And we pray this in Jesus name. Amen. 2 Corinthians 9, 10 through 12. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness and you will be enriched in every way in order to be generous in every way which through us will produce thanksgiving to God For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but will also overflow in many thanksgivings to God. Now, we are back at Thanksgiving. It's amazing that it's already Thanksgiving. That means the malls, that means all the stores have already skipped Thanksgiving and it's all about Christmas. But we're going to stop for a minute and think about what this means. It means that we kind of ponder God's goodness in our lives, God's bounty, God's giving, His generosity, and we, we thank Him for that. Now, I know that that every day is Thanksgiving, you know, just like every Sunday is Easter. You know, it's all about the resurrection. But I don't know about you, but I, I'm really happy to, to live in a country that still, to this day, out of its kind of Christian past, still sets apart one day a year just to be able to think about how blessed we are and to thank God for His generosity. It's a... Uh, Now, I don't know that everybody will be doing that on Thursday, uh, but uh, many people will. And they'll be doing it uh, in many different ways as we live in a pluralistic society and probably a little football served on the side. But uh, that is certainly what the pilgrims did in 1621 as, as that first winter, the journey in the first winter had claimed over half of their lives. And they made it through and there was a harvest. And so... They wanted to set aside a day, really three days, to to really thank God for his generosity. So they gathered together the Indians that helped them. There's a great story there that we won't tell this morning. And they had this incredible feast to celebrate God's generosity. And that's what we're going to be doing this week. 
I don't think I need to um, give you statistics. I don't think I need to quote anecdotes from different books about our economy and the, the prosperity of America relative to other times in the history of this republic, certainly relative to other times in world history. I think most of you know we have been given a lot here in the United States of America. And we, we have more than most anybody, I'm talking about the average person, most anybody in any age, and that's just a fact. And maybe that's a good starting place, just to realize how much we have and not think about what we don't have. But the question of this passage is much more than how much does God give us. The question in this passage rises out of what God has done for us, therefore what God gives us, and what it does in our lives. Because the question in this passage is not just, will we be, in an answering kind of appropriate way, thankful, but it goes beyond that. It goes to, will we cause thankfulness in other people because of who we are as thankful people? Will we generate thanksgiving in other people as we are thankful people? I think that's a really cool idea. And, and the text indicates that this is kind of where the meaning is. This is where the fun is. That the most ancient texts say this is where the fun is. Um, that's a joke. I'm sorry. And that didn't go over really well. Does it really? Yeah, it really does. Let me just give you a sentence, and you can write this down. You can talk about it on Thursday. God gives abundantly to me so others can be thankful for me. Let me say that again. God gives abundantly to me so that others can be thankful for me. And the text begins with this incredible abundance of God to us. Verse 10, he who supplies seed for the sower and fresh baked bread for the eater or for food, he will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness so that you will be enriched. In every way. So here's a great question to start with. What would you rather have? Seed or bread? Well, I think if you don't have anything to eat, you probably want bread. Bread's the answer if, you have, if you're starving to death. But if you have bread on hand, I think you choose seeds. Because in, in a wheat seed are just, I don't know how many loaves of bread are represented, you know, in that seed and in, in what happens through an agricultural process and, and more seeds are produced and, and maybe for years to come. But, but bread's a pretty nice thing to have on hand if you're going hungry. Well, God says that He's going to give His children both. He's going to give us bread 
He's going to take care of our needs. And He's going to give us seed that's going to have a dynamic in the real world. Paul, who wrote 2 Corinthians, Paul is quoting from Isaiah 55. It's that famous passage about how the Word of God is sent out and never comes back void, but, but it accomplishes the thing for which it was sent. And there's a lot of amazing uh, passages other than that around it. But in, in Isaiah 50, 55.10, it is a, a direct quotation here in 2 Corinthians of that. And the discussion is this, that the Word of God is so sure, it's, it's just as sure as God gives us our daily bread. That's kind of how you're supposed to feel how sure the Word of God is. And, and in Isaiah 55 and in our text, kind of the main point of the main blessing is this, that the most important thing is knowing God, who takes care of our needs, and we get to minister to other people so that they might experience God and His love. And, and, and be thankful for us. And it's the same Jesus who taught us to pray these words. Really radical in an Old Testament time. He just didn't call God this. He said, pray like this. Our Father. God, Father, our Father. In one of the Gospels, the word there is A-B-B-A, Abba. It means our tender, loving Father, our doting Father. This is the most important thing for God to be our Father and to be loved with His love. But did He not also teach us in the same prayer, give us this day our daily bread. It's because God cares about us. And God is faithful to us daily. But it all starts with His initiatory love. God wanting us. God doing what it takes in our inability to come to Him to send His own Son. This is a holy God. We have a sin problem that we can't erase the leopard spots. We can't change who we are. And so God just takes care of it through this ultimate sacrifice of His own Son on the cross in the place of sinners, in our place, so that when we trust in what Christ, another person, has done for us, not what we do for ourselves, we are given that full payment for our sins, and we can call God our Father. And we get to walk with God, and we know the love of God, and God, we can ask Him to give us our daily bread. That's the one thing we need to be able to thrive, really thrive and grow internally as well as externally in the world. And so we need to respond to, to, to this, this, these many gifts of thanksgiving like a son or a daughter would respond to a really, really loving dad that just gives and gives and gives. Thank you, Daddy. See, there's more than just the statistics of all the stuff and the GDP and all the products and the buying power. There's more than that. It's our Father who loves us, that we know 
through God's initiation. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in a moment. And someone might say, you know, I don't know. You know, you, you, you're telling me that everything is in the realm of what needs to be, I, I need to be thankful for. I'm telling you that everything is in the realm of what you need to be thankful for. And you say, well, you know, I earned my paycheck because I did the work. God didn't do the work. Well, that's true. But you have the abilities and the skills and the capabilities to do that work because a good and loving God has given that to you. Even at that level that we would use to deny that we need God in the picture at all, God is love. And, and this is about our gratitude to God. And you know, Thanksgiving releases joy. Because we see how needy we are. We see that God loved us so much. And God loves us so much. And so an act of thanksgiving is an act of acknowledging receipt of grace. Receipt of blessing. So it kind of releases a joy that we were worth that much. And we still are. And God loves us and he provides for us. And I believe that if we are willing to slow down. And just ponder God's faithfulness to us in our lives. We will see that he is, he is faithful. And most of us will celebrate that with a sumptuous feast, whatever your traditions are and whatever it is you eat. Different people I have found out in 30 years of being a minister eat different things. Things I wouldn't necessarily want on Thanksgiving, but you eat it. You know, I'm from Florida. We used to eat oyster dressing and some people kind of go yuck at that. Um, so you're going you're gonna to maybe think about God's blessing and take a moment to thank God for that. Have a sumptuous feast that is a, an emblem. The feast itself is an emblem of his abundance. But you know, not everybody's going to do that. And I'm going to get back to this because not everybody even has the money to buy the food. To have that feast this week. We'll get back there in a moment. But for now, relish the realization of God's provision, of his love. So, first, God gives abundantly to us. But remember the, 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 the sentence, God gives abundantly to you so others can be thankful to God because of you. There's something that kind of goes beyond just saying thank you here that's very dynamic. Verses 10 through 12, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way in order to be generous in every way, which through us, we're going to learn what he's talking about, through us will produce thanksgiving to God and other people. For the ministry of this service that you're rendering through us is not only supplying the needs, real needs of the saints, but it is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. And the idea is that God's generosity to us causes us to be generous. And that generosity causes other people to thank God because of us. Now, the, uh, the Corinthian church, these people 
that uh, Paul is with and that he is writing to, they are a great example of what we're talking about here. You remember I said not everybody will be able to have a sumptuous feast this week, and that's true. Well, in those days, let me tell you who wasn't having a sumptuous feast. It was the mother church of all Christianity. It was the church in Jerusalem that through some horrible things that happened, some different things, some, some persecutions, they, that church, those people, those believers have gotten to the place where they were literally starving to death. Can you imagine the mother church of all the churches starving to death? And um, it's these non-Jewish people not from anywhere near Jerusalem, kind of from all over the Roman Empire and that, that great cultural city of, of Corinth. It's these, these non-Jewish, primarily non-Jewish people who have believed in the gospel, who are bound together simply because of the gospel of Jesus. It is Christ they love that they have already given, before this, an amazing amount of their money to relieve the suffering and the starvation at the church in Jerusalem. And now they're about to do it again. And that's what Paul is talking about when he says, through us, you're going to meet these needs. They're going to just give the money to Paul and his people. And Paul and his people are going to deliver it to the church in Jerusalem. And there's going to be bread in the church in Jerusalem because of this. And Paul says, and you just can't imagine the thanksgiving this is going to bring in Jerusalem for you. Thanksgiving to God for you. And if you go back four verses to verse six, there's this incredibly key passage about what this giving looks like emotionally. Because, hey, there's lots of ways to give. You can be guilted to give. You can give for lots of different reasons. That is not how these people are giving. This, this whole thing about the seed and, and ministry that they're committed to and, and their growth and their growth in righteousness and, and, and all of this is a part of what is about to just overflow again in generosity to the church in Jerusalem. So let's go back to verse 6 of 2 Corinthians 9. Remember this, Paul says, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. That, that's an interesting verse. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of, a, each of you should give what he has decided in his heart to give Listen to this, not reluctantly, not under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God, verse 8, is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things and at all times, having all that you need, you will be able to abound to others in every good work. I mean, that's pretty plain, isn't it? By the way, that, that word cheerful, giver, hilarion, literally is kind of the word hilarious. It's like 
this is just something that has is, is more who they are than just what they're, they're being asked to do. In other words, this isn't just how some people are going to really cough it up you know, every once in a while for a good cause. Th- these are people who just understand the generosity of God in His grace and the generosity to be able to be a part of a ministry that, that just seeds the world with God's grace and with God's love. And so they're just ready, you know, because of, of who they are. It's more about their relationship with God than, than any special circumstance. Remember, because that's what he, he says. He says, so that in all things, at all times, you're ready. And you want to give. Corinthian church wasn't wealthy, y'all. Not many of you were wealthy. Not many of you were noble and, and not many of you were the intelligentsia so that God could show that the, the common and, and the not wealthy, that he can do it through people, just ordinary people like you. These are not particularly wealthy people, but i tell you what they had. They had evidently just enough blessing to want to be able to share with other people. I remember maybe 25 years ago or so, I came across this illustration. It's been one of my top, top favorite illustrations that I've ever heard, and I want to share it with you now. And it's because it just touched me. The first time I heard it, and it touched me this week, when I thought, I'm going to tell this to, to them. Um, it has to do with a man who was alive, was living in the Great Depression. In the 1930s, uh, I'm sure you're all aware that, you know, there was like 70% unemployment or something like that at one time. And there were bread lines and people were starving to death and all kinds of bad things were happening to folks. And then some other people who had money during the Great Depression depression were able to multiply their money because if you had it, you could get more, you could buy everything cheap, all that stuff. So all this is going on. And uh, so there's this man who gets in his car one morning and he's on the way to the office. He's fully employed. He has everything he needs. And he, he pulls off. He's in the city. He pulls off on the side of the road. He wants to run over to the newsstand. He wants to buy a newspaper, bring the newspaper back, get in his car, and get on to the office. And so he's driving his car. He pulls over. And just as he is getting out of his car, he looks over. And there is like the dirtiest little boy, like physically dirty. You can tell he's very poor. He is so shabbily dressed. So the guy notices how shabbily dressed the boy is. But what he really notices is how intently that little urchin was staring at his car. And so he thought to himself, I better be quick getting to this newsstand back because I'm going to come back and I'm not going to have any hubcaps on my car. So he double times it to the newsstand. He buys his newspaper real quick. He puts it under his arm and he's almost running back to his car. And, um, and just as he was about to get in the car, the, the boy asked him a question. The boy said, Mr., and he stopped. Mr., how much would a new car like that cost? 
And he wasn't sure what to say except for the truth, which was an amazing truth, and it allowed him to not tell how expensive his car was. It was just true. And the man said, you know, I really don't know. Honestly, my brother gave me this car. Because his brother was one of the people that had the money during the Depression. And immediately he thought, this little boy is going to be in all that. My brother gave me this gave me this car in the Great Depression. And he's going to think, wow, I wish I had a brother like that. The little boy looked down and the little boy stared at that car. And the little boy looked back up in this man's eyes and with wonder in his eyes. He said, gee, mister. I wish I could be a brother like that. Wow. That's amazing. Not I wish I had a brother like that. I wish I could be a brother like that. Let me tell you, that's what Paul's saying to me and you this morning. You can be a brother like that. You can be a sister like that. Out of the generosity of God, out of the gospel generosity, out of knowing our Father, our Abba Father, out of give us this daily bread, out of being poured onto more than we can hold, we cannot just let it stop with thank you, God. We can be a brother or a sister like that. That's when Thanksgiving turns into generosity. That's when it kind of gets interesting. That's when it kind of gets dynamic. Paul's saying, that's when it kind of gets fun. And then our generosity generates Thanksgiving to God in other people. I go back to verse 11. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which Through us, now you understand what they were doing through the Apostle Paul, which through us will produce thanksgiving in other people to God. Verse 12, for the ministry of this service to the church in Jerusalem is not only supplying the needs of the starving saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. Can you just see these Jerusalem Christians when Paul says, by the way, these Gentiles out in Corinth that you don't know, that weren't even, that you've not even asked to relieve your suffering. By the way, here's another huge bag of money. Go buy some bread. Can you imagine the relief and the, the feeling of gratitude that those people had for these people they had never even met before? And can you, can you see as Paul is writing this, you understand, he's not just saying, you know, I don't know if you're going to do this. He's saying, I know you're going to do it again. He's saying, you're, you're going to have such joy again. Because you generated such gratitude to God In the hearts of other people. You can see the satisfaction and the joy on the part of the Corinthians. Verse 12. The service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people. But it's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Listen to this. 
verse 13, because of this service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God. Focus, focus. Others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. Others will see that your confession of the being the receiver of grace, the receiver of generosity, has moved into a kind of gospel obedience of an outflow of generosity. Let me read this again from the text. Because of the service of which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and everyone else and in their prayers for you. Their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Just like we said, wow, you know, that, that kid goes, I wish I could be a brother like that. And, and I went, wow, that's what Paul's saying. The church in Jerusalem, they're going to say, wow. These people get it. And he ends with this verse. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. What's all about? Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. It is the gift of God's grace that is the meaning of our life. The reconnection with a God we are alienated from, even though we're beautiful and made in His image and intelligent and talented and all these things. I'm talking about the inner connection we got to retrieve that can only be retrieved that's broken because of our sin through through the gospel. And it's not only retrieved, God becomes our Abba Father. God becomes the one who loves us. God becomes the one who provides for us and, and draws us into not only giving us bread, but giving us seed, giving us love, giving us the ability to seed in gospel ministry, in giving and, and, and kind of broadcast the love of God that's so needed in this world. This is our primary reason to be giving, givers, is God's grace to us, this indescribable Gift. That's what the gospel's about. Gift. That's why I call it, it's, called, well, it's called grace. That means gift. It is joyful, hilariously cheerful gospel obedience that changes things in the real world by people that aren't wealthy but just filled with love and a kind of dynamic. Of the gospel at work in and through their lives. You know, this Thanksgiving, you might want to take a little stock of God's many blessings in your life. I'm talking about together. If you, whoever you, if you're going to be with some folks, if you're not going to be with anybody, see me afterwards. Maybe we can find somebody for you to be with. Okay, maybe you take stock of. Of God's generosity to you, first of all, in His Son and in His love as our Abba Father. But, but also in so many ways, maybe you could just take a few moments. Maybe, maybe like before the blessing, you know, 
just, just a few moments to be able to express thanksgiving to God. Um, but it might be also helpful to say, we are so blessed. And we are so grateful that we'd love to help give bread to some other folks. Maybe you could say this Advent and Christmas season coming up, we're going to turn right around and we're going to give money to ministries that feed the poor. Ben Edwards, right here in our church, one of the leaders of uh, the uh, Gateway Rescue Mission, the Stew Pot, always needs people, needs help. I mean, there are so many ministries. You can get in touch with me. I'll help you find that ministry. Maybe that would be a tangible way for you or you and your family to say, hey, let's take this beyond a quick thank you, God. I'll tell you this. When you give to Highlands, a good bit of that goes to ministries of mercy as well as ministries of outreach. You can join us in giving both seed and bread to people in need. So, let's consider the gospel call in our lives to be grateful and to give. And may God bless you during this set-apart, nationally set-apart season of giving thanks. Let's pray. Lord, I feel inadequate to even know where to start. And I think of the many years that I thought it was all about me and I didn't need you. And I think of this gift that is still indescribable. You so loved us that you sent your only begotten Son. Thank you, Jesus, that when you died, you said it is finished because it was. Full payment for me to be able to run into your arms, O oh God, as Abba Father, for the rest of my life and for the rest of eternity, given to me, given to all who would receive, to as many as received him, to get to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to as many who have believed on his name. If you would like to put your trust in what Christ has done and receive that, that primary source of thanksgiving, or just pray, Lord, I see that you did this, and I'm amazed that you're not asking anything from me that you're giving everything to me. That is so opposite of what I've experienced in the world. That is so opposite of what I've experienced in every kind of religion, including the half-baked Southern Christianity around me. I want to turn from everything I've called religion. I want to turn from everything I've called Christianity and just turn to you, Jesus, and receive what you have done on the cross for me. Receive you, risen Christ, into my life as Lord. And even now, God, you are my Father. Lord, thank you for a nationally set-apart day to give thanks. Thank you for the opportunity that gives us here this morning to talk about the meaning of, of thanksgiving. God, would you open our hearts to the indescribable gift, but also 
the gratitude and the kind of hilariously joyful gospel obedience that giving out of abundance is. Lord, would you cause Highlands to be a church that really wants to give to our community and in our community? Lord, would you help us to see that it's not just the seed of gospel ministry, but it's also the bread that people need? Would you generate thanksgiving in other people by our generosity coming out of our own thanksgiving for you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.